Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Miles Away. This is your host, Zach Honig. Welcome to another episode of Miles Away. I actually got my start in podcasting with Ed Pizza, who is today's guest, TPG contributor Ed Pizza. Welcome, sir. Yeah, and I didn't know that that was your first podcast. It you was, were very smooth. Thank you, sir. No, I've listened to quite a few, but that was my first time actually being uh, on the air, so to speak. So thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we need to have you back on for a third appearance. We've gotten you up to two so far, so we need to have you back on for a third. Well, now I'm a, I'm, I feel like I'm a, a, a Disney expert after my one day at Disneyland <laughs> in Anaheim, <laughs> which is the, the topic of today's episode. But I got to go on almost every ride. I think we went to on every ride that was open except for It's a Small World, which okay. had been closed for the holiday, and they just reopened it, and mm-hmm. the lines were nuts. It's such a popular ride, even so many years later. And you're right; the lines can get kind of wacky. It's not a Peter Pan at Disney World. The lines there can be, you know, hours. Yeah, yeah. So we we breezed right through all the lines. We did all the fast tracks, but this was on a a 24 hour layover in Los Angeles, and so it was actually the, the first time for the two friends that were traveling with me. First time to LA. Oh wow! And I didn't realize it was their first trip. I probably wouldn't have suggested Disneyland <laughs> for their very first visit to Southern California. <laughs> But they didn't tell me until we landed. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we've never been to Los Angeles. So, like, oh, well, here we are in Anaheim. So <laughs> We won't go see stars. We won't jump off the roof decks at the Andaz WeHo. We'll just yeah, go to Disneyland. Exactly, yeah. But what we did is we, we flew in. We took an evening flight out of Newark. We went right down to Anaheim. I used two uh, expiring nights at the Fairfield Inn and Suites. I don't want to screw this up. Fairfield Inn and Suites, Anaheim Main Gate, which yeah. Main Gate to me implied that it was close to the park. A lot of implications with stuff like that um, and and a lot of very interesting names for hotels in both Disneyland and Disney World. But there are are good cluster hotels right outside of the gates of Disneyland. It's much more compact with the downtown Anaheim area. I think the the best piece of advice we can give our listeners is just to make sure that you do map where your hotel is because you will find multiples of most of the major brands nearby and – Given how traffic can be around getting into the parks, there is a noticeable difference between a hotel that is reasonably walkable, call it less than 15 minutes away, and something you do have to take a shuttle bus to because parking is not the greatest over there. Yeah, yeah we were still able to walk, but it was about 30 minutes. But we'll, we'll dig into hotels in, in just a little bit. First, I want to talk about Disneyland and, and who it's for. You know, it's, it's more of an adult's park, I think, than, than Disney World. You were telling me before. and. I've been to Disney World, uh, you know, several times, uh, mostly when I was a child, but I, I haven't been back in many years. I've been to some of the other Disney parks as well, but Disneyland, the, the rides are more adventurous, I guess you could say. They're more thrilling. Uh, I didn't see nearly as many kids when I was there. It also happened to be a Friday, uh, you know, sure. during, during February, so it was pretty off-peak. But kind of walk me through, what's the, the main difference, I guess, between Disneyland and Disney World, and, and who should choose which park? You know, there there are some, some primary differences, and one of the big ones is the Disneyland footprint is uh, not only smaller, but 
much more accessible. So both parks are easily walkable back and forth between each other where, you know, obviously it's, it's, that's impossible at Disney World. You're talking from the Magic Kingdom to Animal Kingdom, uh, a 25-minute ride um, if you're taking a bus. So it's it's easier, as you said, you, you guys rode a ton of rides. It's easier to accomplish a whole bunch if you're not bogged down with things like strollers. So if you can get from ride to ride, and especially as we get older, one of the other things that's really helpful at Disneyland is there are more single rider lines. And what we mean by that is for a popular ride like Radiator Springs, technically a third line, you've got your regular line, your fast pass line if you happen to have fast passes, and then a single rider line. And in some cases when the ride for the Radiator Springs might be an hour, your single rider line could be 10 or 15 minutes. So you and a friend are going, or as you said, you had a couple of friends with you. You know, sure, it'd be great if you all rode in the same car, but if you don't have to wait an hour in line and you split up, you're saving, you know, 45 minutes of line waiting. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we actually went on a, on a quiet day, and that's something you probably don't find at Disney World either is that, you know, it's, it's popular all throughout the year, but Disneyland, it definitely seems to ebb and flow when it comes to, you know, the park occupancy. It sure does, much more so than Disney World. And I think part of that is just there's so much at Disney World that I think people are planning week-long vacations. And we just did some um, some research on this uh, for TPG about Universal potentially adding a third park in, uh, in Orlando to try to become a week-long destination. To be clear, to spend a week at Disneyland would probably be overkill unless it really was the only time your kids were going. Right. Um, you know, it, you'd cover everything and you'd cover a bunch of stuff twice if you spent seven days in, in, in the two parks. Now, it can be appealing to do so because you save a ton of money on the tickets. If you get a multi-day pass, and I was looking, the, the one-day passes are... They're pricey. Yeah. I think even off-peak, off I think it's something like $104, $104 now. Yeah, all uh, the tickets are over 100 single park, yeah. single day, quiet day, and then it ranges up to the, almost 150 I believe. Uh, for a single day ticket, and then yeah. if you add park hopper, how much is is the bar- the park hopper addition? You know the 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 additions. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember if they vary or not. But you're talking in the range of you know for park hoppers, you're talking about adding um, like forty or fifty bucks a yeah, day. Yeah, I think it was I think it was fifty dollars. And yeah. so if you go on a peak day, get a park hopper edition, it's about two hundred dollars. Yeah. For a single day, yeah. But if you add a few more on, then you end up paying, you know, fifty dollars a day if, if you're there for for almost a week. So you can do it, and you may need to, I guess, on on peak days. If you go over, you know, Christmas or New Year's, Halloween, maybe whenever they're doing a kind of a special celebration, it might make more sense to spend a few days just because you're not going to be able to fit as many rides into into each day at the park. For sure, and I think there are a couple of other options for folks to consider as well that we'll we'll go over a little bit. But you know, if you if you're either a not a Disney expert or b if you're used to Disney World, the free line cutting service called FastPass is very different at Disneyland. Um, and, and we'll talk as you said. You want to talk a little bit more about hotels in a bit, but it's almost a requirement that if you if you want to make your trip efficient, that you need to buy the digital version of Fast Pass for Disneyland. It makes things much more efficient, and it's pretty affordable. Um, I think it's ten bucks a day. Um, yeah, we we paid fifteen, which is still there are some fifteen dollars days, right? Uh, it's either ten or fifteen, so. Um, and it's still very reasonable. Absolutely. I mean, it, it made a ton of sense. We were able to fit so much more into the day. And, I mean, we, we easily cut hours off of the day just waiting in the standby lines. Uh, we only waited in standby lines when they were, I don't know, most 15 minutes long. Right. Otherwise, we did the Max Pass. So there's Fast Pass and then there's Max Pass. And Max Pass is the app-based version of Fast Pass. Is that right? It is. So they still have the, the paper-based Fast Pass system, uh, system at Disneyland. Can't talk well today. Um, and so there was a time when 
this existed at Disney World too. And so sort sort of happens. You have these kiosks, and intuitively the kiosks aren't always near the rides. So in the example of we're talking about Radiator Springs at Disneyland, my recollection from the last time we were there, we were there was that the kiosks were quite a bit away from. Uh, the ride itself. So uh, a lot of folks will head to the ride thinking that's where they're going to get their pass, and they have to sort of double back to a different land to, to pick up their access to the pass. And in the time that they do that, somebody else with a with an iPhone has already grabbed their fast passes, and uh, you're on a a return time cycle. Uh, so it, yeah, I think uh, it was like 90 minutes or so when I was there. And and they do sometimes meter that depending on how busy things are in the parks. But that compares very differently with Disney World in that you're doing all of your fast pass selecting ahead of time. So it's a very democratized level playing field when you hit the front gates of Disneyland. Everybody's sort of fighting for the same real estate. So your big advantage in having your phone is not having to go stand in, in line at a kiosk and find the kiosk to get your fast pass. Your clock starts a lot sooner than everybody else. It, it seemed, I mean, at least my guess was that some of the other guests had a better idea of of what they were doing, which rides they should, you know, do their their max passes for right away. Because you, you'd mentioned Radiator Springs a couple times, and I only got to do Radiator Springs because I had booked a, a fax pass or a max pass for another ride that had broken. Right, and so I got this magical universal max pass that let me go on any ride and and cut the line to Radiator Springs, even though those max passes had run out way earlier yeah. in the day. Yeah. What resources are out there for someone, you know, to, to figure out how to maximize their, their day at Disneyland? For sure. And I will say, you don't need quite as much planning at Disneyland as you do at Disney World. Um, we do have a post up on TPG that I think is a great resource for how to cut those lines. Uh, you know, skipping the lines at Disneyland, uh, you know, 10 line-busting tips. And I think, you know, ahead of time, I think it really depends on the age of your children. As you mentioned, there are um, some thrill rides at um, that was California Adventure, I think. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. So so some of those rides in Disneyland you just don't have in Disney World. So, for example, there's also no uh, Matterhorn um, at Disney World. So once you understand what age your kids are, you are sort of you can, you can divide up into categories which rides you want to hit. And ultimately, because you've got the two parks, I think the, the right strategy is if you're on Max Pass, we'll talk about the hotel option that helps as well. But it's grabbing that, that first key ride that you know that your kids want to hit and then making sure that from a timing standpoint, you're hitting your window as soon as humanly possible. Because if you're not lucky like you, Zach, and getting to go on a quiet Friday and you're going on anything of sort of a higher peak day, 90 minutes can be enough to sell out rides like Radiator Springs. Mm-hmm. So you sort of have to figure out, you know, at minute one, I'm getting this fast pass. And what's my second most popular one? And at minute 91, let's say, if that's your wait window, you've got to be ready with your app to hit the button again. Now, this is a tip. This is something that I would never have been able to do as a kid. But as an adult, I actually have quite a few friends that work for the Disney Corporation. Oh, okay. And so at ABC and, and, and uh, you know, some of the other um, Disney-owned uh, companies, they get passes each year and they expire. And so, you know, if you happen to know someone that works at, a, you know, we friends yeah. and relatives that did, all three of us separately did. We each reached out to our friends and said, hey, do you have any, any passes expiring? And not only did they get us into Disneyland, but it ended up being a park hopper pass. So we yeah. could jump over to the other park as well. It saved about 150 bucks. Yeah. And, and I mean, with, with the prices of where park tickets are, that's a huge dent in, uh, in, your, in your bill. The other thing I'd say, too, uh, folks don't necessarily think about this, but if you're on the West Coast, not necessarily in California, but you've got kids that are sort of in that Disney age, 
uh, for for Disneyland specifically because of the the price of those shorter tickets and because you're likely going to be doing shorter trips, you don't get some of the benefit that you do at Disney World where tacking on a sixth or a seventh day at Disney World is you know ten bucks if you will, and you're still getting to do something Near, very right. different because there's a bunch of stuff. So if you're focusing on shorter trips, the cheapest annual passes at, at Disneyland are in like the eight hundred dollar range, and that sounds like a lot at first, but if you think about it in terms of if you went you've you've once you buy the annual pass it starts the day you walk in the park the first time mm-hmm. so if you think about it like a 52 week clock i'm not saying you should go to disneyland every month or even every quarter but if you went in week 1 of your annual pass and you went in week 52 the week 52 trip is probably free got it okay so you're paying the same thing you might pay for a 3 or 4 day uh, or with park hoppers and you're essentially now you've paid for what you were going to pay for and your second trip Again, the following year is free, and if, if for folks that have kids, they can look at the the family travel schedules to see where spring breaks line up. But more importantly, if you don't have that sort of flexibility, it's not hard to say, well, we went the first week of April uh, in in 2019. Let's just go sometime in March, and that trip will be essentially free for the tickets. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, to be honest, I mean, I got to see so much in one day with this park hopper pass that yeah. I, even a two day pass would have been overkill. But uh, you've recently completed a challenge, I think, at, at Disney World. Are you attempted to complete? <laughs> attempted to complete. We did not. We didn't get all the way there. Uh, we were certainly proud of our effort. Uh, so Summer Hall uh, Mommy Points, who runs the TPG Family Vertical, and I came up with this idea to support a charity called Give Kids the World. Um, and they essentially provide all the uh, the backbone and behind-the-scenes stuff for the Make-A-Wish kids that come down to, to Disney World. And so they get a villa at uh, the Give Kids the World Village. They get all their meals. The Disney characters come to greet them. It's it's pretty uh, um, it, it, it's pretty awesome. And so Summer and I raised a bunch of money uh, with the help of both TPG and their parent, Red Ventures, by riding 41 rides in – one day across four parks. Oh, wow. You have me so far beat. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty crazy. Is that 41 separate rides or 41 times? 41 separate individual rides. So at that day, there were 48 rides open. We got 41 uh, of the 48 in. Yeah, do you, you do. eat? Do you drink? Do you have time for the bathroom? I mean, what? <laughs> well, definitely have time for the bathroom. That's pretty much the necessity. We we went um, we went a little bit hardcore, and then I wore a vest, and we had Lindsay, who's in charge of social for TPG as well, and the vest had. Um, granola bars and uncrustables <laughs> and stuff like that. The reason why we went with the vest was if you have a backpack, you have to clear security every time. Oh, and if okay. you have the vest, you could go through the oh single lot. So we, okay. were, we, we had calculated down to the minutes of how many times we had changed parks and how much time could we save if we didn't have to have the backpack checked. That is the ultimate Disney hack, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, walk me through just a little bit between the differences between Disneyland and California Adventure. And, and should you see both? If you're only going to one, which would you pick? You know, who, who is each park better for? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I personally think that you want to see both only because it's not, a, it's not a week-long trip, if you will, to do both. So for me, I would probably do both parks. And if you had to pick one, I mean, I'd probably pick California Adventure. Um, you know, I, I just – there's such a good cross-section of rides between the two of them. I, I don't think there's any one – ignoring one versus the other, you miss some of the very key rides. Like, I'd hate to say somebody went to Disneyland and didn't get to ride Radiator Springs or didn't get to ride Matterhorn. Those are sort of, you got the the iconic old school, uh, you know, roller coaster, if you will, of Matterhorn, and you've got Radiator Springs, which is just such an awesome, you know, fantastic new ride. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to tell you to not I like Soarin', to... too. I know it's been there a oh, while, but yeah. that one's fun. Yeah, Soarin's a lot of fun, and um, you haven't been to Disney World since Pandora opened, have you? 
No, no, yeah. it's been a long time. So Soren's Soren's a great ride, and for those that haven't been, it's a hang gliding ride, um, and you're sitting in a in a, a chair. And so if you're afraid of heights or things like that, it's a very comforting ride, and that it doesn't you don't really get the even though you get the sense that you're hang gliding, you're sitting down in a chair, so you're not. Uh, you know, you don't feel like your feet are dangling. You're going right. to fall off, the and you edge. can easily just close your eyes if you yeah. need to. Yeah, and it's but it's it's very lifelike in what you see with the screen, and they even have the smells blown in, and uh, it's very graphic. And so they use that technology for the Pandora rides, um, except that you're sitting on a banshee, and you can feel the banshee breathing, um, you know, between your legs as sort of oh, as, that's as, cool. as you, as you yeah. go up and down over hills. And it's the next generation of the Soren technology. So if you're a Soren fan, I'd say get to Pandora at some point because it's sort of the next generation of Soren. Oh, that's a, a really good tip. Okay. So um, like at Disney World, the hotels really play a, a key role in your experience here. And we'll take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll talk about hotels and, and some of the flight options to get to Anaheim as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So we are back on Miles Away with Ed Pizza. Welcome back, Ed. Thanks. <laughs> All right. And we were talking about Disneyland and Anaheim. And unlike some other destinations, the hotels really, really play into your experience, specifically at, you know, at, at Disneyland here. So like Disney World, that, that's the case as well. But you really have to pick carefully when it comes time to choose a hotel. You do, and you have you have significantly fewer options at Disneyland. There are exactly three hotels, and from top to bottom, if you will, the Grand Californian is probably going to be the priciest most days that people are looking. Just a notch below that is going to be the Disneyland Hotel, which was the original property, and then Disney's Paradise Pier is the third choice. Um, at this property specifically, the big key is – if you remember, we talked earlier about the fact that it's a very much a democracy when it gets to, comes to fast passes. Once you're in the park, everybody's sort of fighting over the same real estate at that point. So if you're staying in the hotels, you get into the parks earlier. You get to, uh, on each day. There's a park that opens earlier. And my general recollection is I think it's four days for, um, for sorry, three days for Disney's California, and then four days for the main Disneyland park. And so on those days that you're in early. You're actually, if you're on MaxPass again, we talked about the digital version of FastPass. As soon as you're in the parks, you're sort of, quote, unquote, on the clock. So if it's you versus me and I'm staying on site and I have MaxPass, I'm probably a solid hour ahead of uh, you. So you can be in your hotel room? No. Once you're in, you have to be physically uh, in the park. Okay, so there's like a geofence right right around the boundary of the park. There is, and you get it because you get in an hour, because I get in an hour early as a hotel guest, you can't get a fast pass yet because you stayed at the Fairfield, right. um, you know, wonderful and beautiful. It, was, it was free, which counts for yeah. something. But. Yep, yep. <laughs> Um, so, but and that, and that is a big difference too. In that, typically speaking, you're going to see rates at the Grand California that are probably going to 
be in the five hundred dollar range a night. It's it, they're not cheap, and in fact, I just recorded a segment for my podcast with um, our uh, TPG contributor Leslie about the price pricing there and how you're you're going to pay for the access. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a question of what's your goal for the trip? How much money do you have to spend? Because there are a ton of offsite options. You'll find even when you drop down a bit to Disneyland Hotel and then Paradise Pier is probably what you call the you know, like a moderate tier property, you're still probably talking 250 to 300 bucks a night for the cheapest Disney property. Mm-hmm. And you, you you had the example of finding a free property, but there's also, because there's so many uh, branded properties outside the gates, you can typically find uh, prices much cheaper than three, 400 bucks a night if you're willing to take a shuttle, you know, be 20 minutes away sort of thing. No, do, do any of the official Disneyland hotels participate in, in chain programs at all? Infor- or unfortunately, no. no yeah. Okay, so yeah. you're paying cash for those or you're maybe paying ca- offsetting yeah. with your, you know, your Barclay card arrival points, something yeah. like that. Yeah, you absolutely could use fixed points like that to help offset some of the costs. Um, but because you know, in Disney World, you've got this huge amount of acreage that they own, because Disneyland drops right into Anaheim, there are properties that are easy five-minute walks from the, from the front. And, you know, you mentioned your Fairfield Inn. You said you were like a 15-minute walk? Yeah, I think it was like 25 or so. We walked past the Holiday Inn Express that I know was, was much closer uh, each time. So I'm like, well, if I had stayed at a Holiday Inn Express tonight, <laughs> I'd already be there. <laughs> Couldn't see that one coming. So I'm a bit of a Hyatt nerd, as, as you well know. And there are two Hyatt properties um, that are fairly close by. And they're all Category 4 or under. And, in fact, I think they're okay. all Category 3. Which is very important. It is, because that means that if you're if you do have the free nights and there's you know uh, multiple paths to earn free night certificates with Hyatt nowadays, and so when you think about all those resources where between the credit card and certain status levels and their new milestone rewards, there's a lot of these category one to four free nights out there, mm-hmm. and so you've got a Hyatt house. Um, which is you know very much limited service, close by, easy walk. And then if you want a little bit more, there's a Hyatt Regency property that's we actually walked it, but it was more like your property. It was probably a solid 30-minute walk. Not sure I would do it frequently with kids unless they were in a stroller. But they do have a shuttle that goes back and forth. That hotel has a lounge. It has pools. It has a restaurant. So mm-hmm. if you want more stuff, all very accessible, free to use with your either free credit card nights or uh, free nights that you might receive from your status – and still easily accessible to the parks. I mean, if we're being realistic, if, if you're going to Disneyland and you want to maximize your visit there, you're going to be doing a lot of walking no matter what. Sure. So what, what's another 30 or so minutes to it from the hotel? It, yeah, certainly. And as long as you're not doing like a two-day like two thing only, I, I think staying off-site makes a lot of sense for a lot of people because that extra money that you're saving buys you an extra two days in the park, let's say, or it buys you your park hopper. And sure, you don't get that extra magic hour in the morning, no question. But you're going to pay a, a hefty fee to get that extra hour. And is it really worth it? Uh, I'm not. Uh, for most people, it probably isn't. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. I, I, I want to talk about flights in, in just a moment. But um, before we get to that, is there anything specific that you recommend doing in Anaheim outside of the parks? I know that you know Disneyland has downtown Disney, but you know, are, are there any other attractions? I've gotten some amazing Mexican food. I will say that there are a lot of really good Mexican restaurants there. Yeah, there there is plenty of plenty of good Mexican food there. We didn't do anything else in Anaheim the the couple times that we've been. We did bolt on other trips like Legoland is down the road and stuff like that. But in terms of other stuff in in Anaheim, we haven't done anything that I would say is a must add on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, located uh, you know 
south southeast of LA, there's certainly stuff, plenty of stuff in driving range. Um, depending on what it is your your goal is, if you're not a family person, there's plenty of stuff to do in the surrounding area. But for most of it, I think you're going to want to get out out of the outer limits of city limits of Anaheim. That makes sense. I, I so I I was there for about 24 hours. I, I had two nights um, at a hotel, but we just had the one full day. Yeah. We were fine without a car. You know, we just spent the, the full day at the Disney parks. Would you recommend that someone rent a car if they're coming, you know, with with a family, for example, for a you know three to five day trip? You know, most times I would say that's probably going to be the most affordable option, uh, only because the 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 Uber or Lyft ride from some of the airports can be pricey because there aren't any airports that are terribly close to Anaheim. Whether you're going into LAX or um, or Long Beach or potentially even somewhere as far away as Burbank or Ontario, um, we were talking about John Wayne Airport earlier. All of them are going to have a pretty decent hike, and in some cases, you can get a rental car pretty darn cheaply. Mm-hmm. You'll want to check and make sure because um, as you move further away from Disneyland, the parking tends to get a little bit cheaper, but hotels do charge for parking, so you just want to run the math on that. Um, but for a family of four, that, that's going to be a pretty expensive Uber ride from the airport. Oh, yeah. Now, we spent about $100 round trip, which is not crazy. We took Uber yeah. UberX uh, right. one way, and then and then the entry level left the other direction. But we came in really late at night. Coming from the East Coast, I think we landed around 10 p.m. So yeah. there was no traffic, about a 40-minute right. drive. L.A. is pretty accessible, I would say. Uh, you know, 40 minutes to get to our destination is, is not bad in Southern no. California. Well, yeah, with no traffic, that's great. And the other thing I'd be cautious of with a family of four is when you start to get into the total amount of luggage you've got for a trip, you might not fit into most Uber X's. Oh, I mean, you have to think of so many things that don't even come to mind. You, you do. So, <laughs> so for three people or under, absolutely, I think Uber X is a great option. As you move into Uber XL or Black, now you're moving up a magnitude in price to have enough space for the four people in the suitcases and potentially car seats and all the other stuff that kids get with. That makes sense. So I, I, I actually stayed, my, my Disneyland visit was part of that Hawaii trip, like I mentioned. And it, yeah. I thought it was a great fit for, you know, a, a quick uh, en route trip to Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, obviously, people, you know, consider Disneyland to be their ultimate destination as well. But, you know, regardless of, of you know, what your purpose of going there, which airport would you recommend flying into? I had a great experience with LAX, to be honest. But Yeah, LAX would be my first choice just because there's so many options. And I do think, as you mentioned, from Hawaii, it can make a great way to break up the trip on the way back from the East Coast. Because going from Hawaii to the East Coast is, is long. A lot of those flights from, from the islands to, to LA are red eyes. So trying to do all that one day can be tough. Yeah, um, something to look forward to too. Really, I mean, like yeah. Disneyland on the way back. Right, exactly. Take a break. You know, um, so I would say LAX would be my first choice. I wouldn't, you know, even though it seems like it's a hike, I wouldn't completely rule out an airport like Ontario or Long Beach. You know, Ontario is definitely a hike, but some of the prices out there can be dramatically lower, and force multiplier for having three or four people to buy tickets for can add up pretty quickly. Oh yeah, absolutely. But LA would absolutely be my first choice. I just would be very cautious of what time I landed. And it, it depends on where you're coming from, but I've found excellent award availability to Los Angeles from you know yeah. throughout the U.S. But the fares can be very reasonable as well. For and, sure, yeah. That's the great thing about having all that capacity is, thankfully, somebody almost somebody is dumping uh, capacity at LAX. You know, most of the year at certain times. Yeah, definitely. So I would I would say you know begin your search at Google Flights. Don't just yeah. jump to miles unless you're certain that you want to use them. You want to come back on cost as much as possible and spend some money in the park instead. You know, if you go to Google Flights, you'll find that, you know, Transcon flights are in the $300 range often if you're, you know, nonstop to Los Angeles as well. Yeah, I would agree. I don't, I, as of the last few years, I don't think I've used miles very often to get to or from LAX. 
All right. So uh, that we're just about out of time, unfortunately. But, uh, Ed, if, if someone wants to follow along with your Disney adventures, where can they find you on social media? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to follow on. But the easiest way to find me is uh, at Pizza in Motion across all the different platforms where you can find me doing crazy things. And if I can be a nerd and mention my podcast, yeah, please, I, yeah. am, uh, I am also at Miles to Go. So we got miles away and we got miles to go. All right. Well, I hope you have me back on miles to go pretty soon. I'm ready. All right. Thanks for joining us. Ed. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Miles Away. Thanks again to Ed Pizzarello. Again, I am your host, Zach Honig, and this episode was produced by Caroline Shagrin with editing by Ryan Gabos. Our theme music is by Alex Schiff. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, and we'll see you back here next Wednesday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.